And welcome to PodPod, the podcast all about podcasting for all of you lovely podcasters listening. I'm Rihanna Dillon and this week I am joined by Adam Shepard, editor of PodPod and Reem Makari, journalist and PodPod reporter. Hi both, how are you doing? Hello. Hello. Good. Hi. I'm really excited about this week's guest. It's Sangeeta Palai, who is an activist, writer, speaker. She's the founder of the South Asian feminist network Soul Sutras, which is it's all about tackling taboos. So she created this podcast, which is a Spotify award winning podcast, Masala podcast. And it's such a great show. And it's for specifically South Asian women dealing with sex and shame and periods and arranged marriages and sexuality and so many other taboos, so many other things that there just isn't the space for to talk about elsewhere. So we're going to dig into all of that with her in a bit. But first of all, Reem, what have you been up to? I feel like there is something on the horizon that you've written, which sounds fascinating. Yes, I've been working on a feature for a while now that's just gone out. It's based on a research that was done by Edison and SiriusXM, and it's called the Black Podcast Listener Report 2.0. And they've basically surveyed a bunch of Black Podcast listeners and talked about how they're a bit more engaged than the general US population, even though the numbers might be a bit lower, and how they want to hear more stories from Black hosts or Black perspectives but ones that go across a range of genres. And one thing that was interesting in the report as well was the fact that it could be a bit hard to discover these type of podcasts sometimes. And I remember having a conversation before about how podcasts for people from different communities, underrepresented communities are promoted and that they aren't as easily accessible or easy to find as other podcasts are sometimes they're kind of grouped into categories like Black History Month or South Asian Heritage Month and so on. So it was interesting to see that that people want kind of easier discoverability as well. Do you find it difficult to find podcasts from people from different backgrounds without finding a specific kind of chart dedicated for a certain community. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I was looking at this. Oh, it was around International Women's Day, right? So I was looking through the podcast charts. There were just so many podcasts helmed by white guys. And if they weren't helmed just by a white guy, it was a guy and a woman. And there were so few that were just women. And then there were so few, like, just, I couldn't, I don't think they were even there in those initial charts of women of colour. And I thought that was really, really telling because for all that we talk about podcasting being very inclusive and in this, you know, you'll hear us go on to talk about podcasting being a safe space for all kind of different cultures and ethnicities, but still the, the ones that are getting rewarded the most, the ones that have the most money, the most sponsorship, the ones which are still reaching the majority of audiences are still helmed by white men. So it is, it is fascinating. And especially like you just said about the categories, <laughs> there are a lot of female podcasts being pushed to the fore because it was International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. So it's all a work in progress. Adam, as our sort of minority this week, you're the, um, <laughs> the only white male on the podcast against three women of colour, which is, how does that feel for a start to be, <laughs> to be in the minority for a change? I am delighted to be the token white guy on uh, this week's <laughs> podcast. I would like to see 
more white guys in token roles in <laughs> podcasting because we are just way too prevalent in podcasting. One of the things about the feature that you wrote, Reem, and the report that it's based off of that I found really interesting is the data that they've got on the kinds of genres and whatnot that people from underrepresented communities, and particularly in the case of the report, Black listeners want to listen to and want to hear from is, I mean, it sounds really obvious, but it's across a range of topics. They want to hear kind of Black voices and diverse voices across a range of of genres, not just talking about kind of Black culture and Black issues and whatnot. And I think that's really important. While highlighting things like Black History Month and International Women's Day and whatnot, by pushing and highlighting podcasts around these issues is really important. That's not everything. It is important to make sure that voices from different cultures talking about the range of human experience is also something that we're kind of promoting and pushing as as often as possible. It's one of the things in my background previously in the tech industry, you would, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, you would quite often hear from a bunch of female executives for International Women's Day, and then they would just not ever get put forward for kind of interviews or comment opportunities outside of those kinds of windows. And it's so frustrating. It is. And it's something that spills out into so many different industries, including film. So, for example, Weekend Has Gone, a film called Rye Lane is out. It's a rom-com and it stars a majority black British cast. And there is nothing in this film about race or ethnicity or about the quote unquote black experience in the UK. And it's such a breath of fresh air because it's not commented on because it's a rom-com. <laughs> That's what it is. And so, yeah, I completely understand it. We have so many white comedians that have podcasts about being parents or about being married or, you know, and there just aren't as many opportunities for people of colour because it's always expected that we have to comment on our colour mm. <laughs> rather than anything else. So we are going to kind of dive into all of this with our brilliant speaker this week, Sangeetha Palai. Sangeetha Palai, welcome to PodPod. It's so lovely to have you on. How are you doing? Really good. Thank you. As we were talking about before, I'm wearing my brightest jumper in an effort to brighten up our call and my day. You absolutely are brightening up all of our days. This is really exciting to have you on. I've been following you and your career for a long time now, it feels like. So I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to talk to you and about something that I feel very passionate about. And I know that you also are kind of making great strides in, which is all about kind of breaking down taboos in podcasting. So we kind of want to get into why podcasting is such a great space to do that. So first of all, in terms of your podcast, the Masala podcast, what did you set out to do? What were you initially hoping to achieve when you first started this podcast? And tell us a little bit about what it involves as well. I am, I think what I'd call an accidental podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) So I started a podcast without really knowing what a podcast was. And Mm -hmm. I say this to a lot of people, I went on to Google and typed in, and I am not, you know, making this up, what is a podcast? Because I'm like, 
I'm an older person and I don't understand what the difference between a podcast and radio is. And I literally had to look it up. And I started Soul Sutras. I was about a year in. And Soul Sutras is a network for South Asian women, as you know, Brianna. And the whole purpose of it was to allow us to talk about taboo topics. And you know this coming from the same culture that within South Asian culture, there are a lot of things we don't talk about. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about bodies. We don't talk about orgasms. We don't talk about periods, mental health. There's just so much stuff. And it's kind of cultural baggage that we carry from our parents. They probably carried on from their parents. And within my own life journey, I saw that when I didn't talk about it, it just kind of accumulated and then became a bigger thing. And then when I started to have discussions with other women from the culture, there was a sense of, oh, okay, so this happened to you too. And, you know, a sense of connection, a feeling of, oh, we're not alone in this. And I started Soul Sutras and I was running something called Masala Monologues, which was kind of like vagina monologues for South Asian women. I was getting done like about 20 workshops, I think, that first year. And I'd get South Asian women together, talk about a particular taboo in their life that they'd faced, you know, coach them on how to write a monologue around it. I took this and turned it into two theater shows. One was at Rich Mix, one was at the Design Museum. And then I was after, and while theater was amazing and really, really creatively, really quite fulfilling, it only allowed me to reach a small percentage of the audience I was trying to speak to. And I was thinking and looking for something bigger. And podcasting kind of popped up on my radar. And I was thinking about it, but I thought, oh, I don't really know how to do this. And I happened to see a competition from Spotify called Sound Up, where they were looking for more women of color podcasters. Because back then, and to a large degree now, it's very much middle class white man's game, you know podcasting. There are very few women like me who are mm. podcasters. I entered the competition without really thinking I would ever hear back. And I got a call from them the next week to say, you've been shortlisted. We had 750 applications <gasps> in London that year. And you're one of 10 that got shortlisted, your idea. And that idea was Masala Podcast. And it's like not changed. Like what I typed in there is exactly what it is now. So we got put into, the 10 of us got put into this boot camp for podcasting. And at the end of that, you got five minutes to pitch your idea to the head of BBC Podcasts, Google Audio, and I think Apple Podcasts. And they got five minutes to ask you questions. And I won the competition. And that's kind of how Masala oh Podcast came to be. It was incredible. No idea. That's amazing. Yeah, it really was. And I was standing there and I remember, you know, those, there are rare times in your life. Like I never used to be the most confident person. So I remember standing there and thinking, I think I've got this. Yeah. And it very rarely happens in my life. But I, I knew in that moment that I had got it. Even so when they announced my name, I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> so just so what was that that pitch then? What was the pitch that then became the podcast? What did you include? Exactly what it is now, which is what is astonishing about it. It is it was called Masala Podcast. It was about I think the tagline was talking about things we don't talk about. Okay. And so it became tackling taboos later because it was a little bit vague. But it was exactly this. It was each episode was about a particular taboo. So it could be sex, it could be periods, it could be menopause, it could be porn, whatever. And I'd interview a South Asian woman on that theme. And I would talk about my experiences kind of growing up in India in the 80s, moving to the UK, and my personal experiences around that taboo topic, as it were. And that's exactly what Masala Podcast is. So mm. it's quite astonishing now talking about it. It was like that kind of four-line pitch 
is what it is today. And out of all of those guests that you've had on, were there any that were kind of really kind of champing at the bit right in those early days to come on and break down those taboos with you? Or did you kind of have to really persuade them that this was going to be a safe space for you to talk about this with them? I think the first season was a little bit trickier because people don't know who you are and rightly so. You know, you're kind of opening up quite personal things in front of someone. So you want to be sure that they can kind of look after you. So I think the first season was a little bit trickier. But you know what, Mariana, I think people just came to me and I found, you know, I'd connect with someone on social media and I'd say, you know, I'm doing this podcast. Would you think you're And most people said yes which was really surprising. And a lot of people in the first season weren't necessarily famous people, but they're just people I met or whose stories I thought were super interesting. And they were talking about things that I thought as a community, we needed to talk about, mm. you know, like there was an episode on on periods, which was the head of Binti, which is a period charity that works primarily with South Asian communities in the UK. There was uh, an episode on mental health. I was speaking to a South Asian mental health specialist because a lot of medical services aren't really geared for us. It's, it's you know, kind of the, the benchmark is a more English white kind of lens. So they kind of organically appeared and, and the episodes, and I don't remember sitting down and saying, right, I'm going to do 10 episodes and that's going to be these themes. And they just kind of evolved all of it actually with the Sala podcast has just evolved organically. And I know it sounds a bit bonkers, but that's the truth. That's how it's been the whole journey. Because you've speak about taboo subjects in the podcast, have you ever gotten any backlash or criticism from the South Asian community when you are talking about these subjects or do you just get a lot of positive praise? 90% of it is positive. Which really surprised me because when I started this, I was like, I'm sure there'll be some, you know, rubbish that comes my way. But surprisingly, I haven't. I get the, you know, I still get the odd like Asian man writing to you about something weird. <laughs> Rihanna's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I'd say 90, 95% even is positive and it's from women or those who identify as female. And it's incredible. I mean, it's like when I'm talking about it, I get goosebumps because the kind of stuff I get on like emails or social media or DMs, it's like you've changed my life. Or, you know, I heard your podcast and it made me feel less alone. You know, someone wrote to me and I've literally just put it up in one of these decks that I'm putting together. She, she said this, these words, your podcast changed my life. I was going through like a really difficult phase in my marriage. It was a really unhappy, abusive marriage. And she said, I kept listening to your podcast for months. And one day I then decided to leave. Mm. I mean, isn't that incredible? You know, it's just like, even speaking about it, I, I just get, you know, I get quite emotional. And most of the feedback is like that. They share with me quite deeply personal things. I did a post the other day about how difficult it is to be LGBTQ plus as a South Asian woman. And I had a couple of people write in to say, you know, I'm, I'm with my girlfriend, but it's been such a difficult experience to kind of tell my family about it. So for a lot of people, I think this is the safe space and also my way as a person. It's never about, I don't know, I want you to tell me all your secrets. You know, I, I, I genuinely want you to feel like this is a safe space where you can express and I can express 
And I am very vulnerable in all my podcasts. I don't know if you've ever listened. I am very open about my mental health or things that are challenging for me. So I think that in turn makes guests and kind of listeners feel like, okay, she's got this, you know, we feel safe. So yeah, in answer to your question, most of it has been positive. Just thinking about the idea of the safe space, the podcast being a safe space. I was listening to um, your interview with Anita Rani the other day. And one of the things that you, I noticed a way of you getting her to talk about her experiences was saying about how much you think it will help other women listening for her to talk about it. So can you talk about the safe space and why you think that podcasts are so suited to that? More so, it seems, than radio or TV or it was more intimate even than, you know, reading a book or an essay. I'm really passionate about podcasting. I feel like I've found my thing. You know, mm, it's yeah. like, I feel so, and I don't know if you feel the same. I feel like, oh my God, here's the thing that, that I can make my own. And, you know, coming from the background that I come from, I grew up in India. I moved here about what, 18, 19 years ago. So I'm not from this world entirely. I haven't kind of gone to Oxbridge. I don't speak, you know, I've got a mix of an Indian accent and a British accent and this random mix of, I don't know how many accents, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I can be myself on a podcast. I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to sound like anyone else. And I think for me, that's probably why I feel very passionately about podcasting as like, I can, it can be my space and my medium. And I think for exactly that reason, I think for listeners, it's this intimate space in your ears. Like how much closer can you be to another human being? You know, you might be kind of making a cup of tea or going for a walk and I'm in your ear talking to you. Most people listen to podcasts in that way on headphones, you know, when you're doing something else. And I think therefore we as podcasters have a really deep and quite intimate relationship with our listeners. And we are saying a lot of things also that are personally for us, like I talk about, like I was saying my mental health or whatever, you know, that are things that are difficult for me. So that's how we build this relationship as a podcaster and a listener. And it's kind of, it's not one way. I think it's, it's, it's a connection. And I think within that safe space, and because it's not kind of like a TV show or a radio show is projected out into the world, a podcast, I feel like exists in this beautiful stillness between a listener and a podcaster. That's how I always think of it. When I'm recording, I don't think of it as this, this thing that's going out to hundreds of thousands of people. I think of it as just me and this guest and there's one person listening, you know? And therefore, that intimacy continues, I think. And I wonder if my guests pick up on that as well. And therefore, it is almost as if me, the guest and a listener, were sitting down having a cup of chai and talking about something deeply personal to us. I think that's why it works. You've done a number of, of live shows for the podcast as well. And how is it like when you would be in front of an audience having that safe space and, and seeing people respond to you? Is it a very intimate environment? How does it feel? It feels amazing. It's like the podcast, but times a hundred because you're in the room and there's always about a hundred people, you know, uh, within the room. So every had three lives, I think. And you can feel the love in the room. It's, it just sounds really hippie, but you know, that, that is exactly how it feels. You're sitting there on stage with your guests and all these people that are a little bit darker 
but you can see their faces and you can see the love and you can see the happiness and you can see the laughter when you're saying something funny. So it's almost like you're connected to every one of these hundred people within that space. And for me, the lives are also an opportunity to kind of have fun. A lot of my podcast episodes are more serious than fun. And I try and do a light touch on it, but it is, you know, it can be quite intense. So in the lives, I always do, I had something what I call the gasm guessing game. It's like an orgasm guessing <laughs> game. So I have these, yeah, every, every live I do this. So I'll have these sounds that a woman's making and the audience have to guess whether she's seen a spider or had an orgasm or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like a multiple choice question. And <laughs> so it always gets people laughing and, you know, it's just such a fun atmosphere. And, you know, I love doing lives. We know it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, effort to make sure that the sound is right. And, you know, people are turning up and guests know where to come and all of that. But when you're kind of in that room and you're on, it's amazing. I mean, the energy is just absolutely something else. So much so that people never want to leave after the live. So I've learned that you book a, a drinks thing afterwards because yes. nobody wants to leave. <laughs> so, yeah, they want to stay and tell you how they wonderful stay, they think you exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They come and hug you and they want to talk to the guests and, you know, and ask you about, you know, that episode, you talked about this thing and I wanted to talk to you about that thing. And, it's just incredible. Can I please get an invite to one of <laughs> yeah. these? Yeah, you should come. It's so much fun, I tell you, really. We'll do a team night out room for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes you'll find both of us in the audience. <laughs> we can understand, obviously, that um, once a listener has found you, they stay. But finding you, how was that in the beginning? Because as we keep talking about, it's quite a taboo thing. It's still quite a new thing. So in terms of finding your audience, how did that happen can you remember like how it started and how you grew it so I think I found my audience primarily through social media mm. now I never used social media before I started my podcast yeah. I'm like oh god I've got to learn this thing now you're so uh, good at it that's really thank surprising. you so much for saying that because I've never used it before <laughs> and I'm like oh god I'm gonna what is it old dog new tricks whatever yeah oh so I had to kind of teach myself mm. and I think a lot of people that have found me have found me through social media. So mm -hmm. primarily Instagram, Twitter, and then people tell other people right. uh, like women, especially Asian women would pass it on. And I'll mm. meet people at like events and they'll be like, Oh, you know, this friend of mine sent me your podcast and I didn't realize it was you. So they're sharing, you know, say something that resonates. So for example, I did this menopause episode and, you know, menopause has been in the news. So a lot of women have said, oh, I heard this. My friend sent it to me and it was you. I didn't realize it was you. So, you know, that's kind of how women, South Asian women have found me, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's either word of mouth or social media. What I do struggle with, however, is like a lot of, I think, older South Asian women are not necessarily on social media. Mm. So I would love to reach them, but, you know, I don't know how, you know, that's, I think, something that I'm thinking about. And also podcasting, like we in the podcasting world think everybody listens to podcasts, but a lot of yeah. people don't. No. You know? It's a weird bubble, isn't it? It's a weird bubble. Yeah. It comes down to technology, ultimately, I think, right? Like it's, exactly. if older people knew, and I'm, this sounds incredibly patronizing, but I'm talking about people in the sort of like 80s. Yes. Who aren't so au fait with using Yes. tech but if they yes. did I feel like we use it so much to kind of stem loneliness yes and I, that's yes. such a huge part of older yes. communities as well yes. I think it would be so vital it's just you're so right about getting it out there yeah absolutely this is what I don't understand because you're reaching a, a certain 
level, especially South Asian women who are of a certain age or under, but they all have aunties. They all have mothers. They all have grandmothers. So how do you think the lessons, you know, kind of like teaching upwards, the lessons that they're learning or the ability to kind of communicate that they're learning through your podcast, do you think that is actually working kind of upwards? Is it opening floodgates for them to be able to have conversations with their family members that they perhaps weren't sure how to approach before? Yeah. When you were saying this, I remembered that someone wrote to me, I think on Instagram, and they said that they had made their mum sit down and listen to a particular episode of mine. I think it was about sex or something that was difficult for, for this person to talk about. And she's like, I made my mother sit down and said, you must listen to this. We had a listen and then we talked about it. Wow. So I thought that was incredible. So I'm almost like this medium between the two generations because you know there's so much stigma and shame attached to it and you can't say sex and bulbs and orgasms and whatever you know so I think sometimes it can be as easy to say hey aunt auntie or daddy or whatever listen here's the thing you should listen to and then once they've listened then you have a conversation to say oh what did you think and then that could potentially open up a whole host of other things you might want to talk about that you've not touched upon because sometimes it's just that it's like we've not done this before Mm. And then once we do this, it becomes easier. How do you keep your community engaged beyond the podcast? Do you engage with them a lot on social media through direct DMs or do you have like a platform that people can speak to you? So they contact me on email. There's my website, there's social media, there's Twitter. You know, there's loads of ways people connect. And all of those are as valid. And I kind of take the time to respond because I think that's really important. Because I think that someone feels like they're being heard. One thing that, that stood out to me, there's an episode where you talked about accents yeah. and you mentioned it in the conversation about like changing your accent to fit in. Obviously in podcasting, your voice is the most yes. important thing. Did you ever feel pressure in the beginning to kind of change your accent so that you can fit in with other podcasters? Or, or is that something that you actively try to avoid? So it's so funny you should say this. One of the first thoughts or conversations in my own head when I heard myself for the first time. So I recorded that first episode and I remember listening to it and I remember thinking, gosh, I sound so Indian. And then I was like, hang on a minute, Sangeeta, what, what, what was that? <laughs> Good <old> self-check-in. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we are picking up these messages all the time. So in my head, there's some conditioning that says, to sound Indian is worse than to sound British, you know? So I had to check myself as well because we are products of the world that we live in. So if we're turning on the radio or turning on TV and everybody sounds a specific way and we don't, then there's that, oh, am I less than, you know, am I okay? You know, am I, am I allowed to do this, you know? So I had to have a conversation with myself and I remember doing this very distinctly to say, Yes, I do sound Indian. And yes, that's amazing. And that's okay. And that's going to be my podcast. I'm going to be exactly who I am. And I think that is very, very valuable. So I, with my Indian, British, Mumbai, Bangalore, Kerala accent, will talk about all the things I've experienced in my life, living in India, then moving to the UK and all of it. And that then resonates with other people who also come from mixed backgrounds. Because I think 
in this country is a, is a nation of immigrants. You know, we're all immigrants. I'm a first generation immigrant. Somebody else might be second, third. And we have to create a world where we all feel we can be ourselves, sound like ourselves, and we don't have to pretend to be anybody else. And all of it has equal value in the world, you know? I was going to ask you, Reem, actually, is that something that you're super aware of? Because you're, you're sort of newer to podcasting, but is that something that you think about? I was about to say, like, I think this is very inspiring to, like, to me. And, and it's because when I first started listening to myself, I would also get kind of embarrassed at the fact that I wouldn't articulate properly or I wouldn't say sentences properly or that my accent is different because my accent is a mix of like, Lebanese and also growing up in Abu Dhabi where there's many different Arabs from different countries and then also moving to the UK and then I would think actually there's a reason I don't speak as articulate as everyone else and it's because I'm, I'm like okay I speak two languages that's something to be proud of I'm like that's I'm not amazing. supposed to be embarrassed of this and I think it's it's anytime I hear someone who has a UK podcast with a different accent is always very inspiring to me because I'm like okay well they're very successful and they don't have a British accent and they're not embarrassed by it and actually they shouldn't be embarrassed by it so then it reminds me to not be embarrassed by my accent so yeah I think it's it's really great and Reem I think that's the beauty of podcasting and I think there are very few places in the world where you can turn up exactly as you are and no one's going to try and tell you you know to change it or be something different and i think that's the real beauty of podcasting and that's i think one of the reasons why i feel so strongly and passionately about it and also for what it's worth as somebody who obviously i work with you reem and listen to you Sangeeta, but just i love hearing what you have to say because it's all about your experiences and your accent informs your experiences it's just telling us another detail about your life yeah absolutely just another nugget of information that's all i think you're an amazing podcaster reem so yeah you should never be embarrassed you your voice sounds amazing <laughs> it, it makes me very interested because i heard the lebanese in your voice yeah. like, oh how interesting and i you know i Outside of the podcast, I would have asked you like, oh, where did you grow up? And tell me more about your life. <laughs> Hear me whenever I get back from conversation, talking with my parents, and then that's when the real thick Lebanese accent starts. <laughs> I get like that over the phone. If I, if I get a call from India, suddenly I become more Indian. Like, hello. <laughs> Uh, my dad has a super British accent now because he moved over here when he was uh, 14, 15. But yeah, when he's just got off the phone with his uncle or his brother, then suddenly he'll slip into it, even though it was, you know, he's been had a British accent since he was 14, but he'll still slip into it. <laughs> Talking about the communities that you're speaking to and the communities that you're speaking about, like you said, it was initially predominantly South Asian women. And that's the kind of network that you've built up. Do you kind of step outside of that? Do you speak to people who aren't South Asian? It's primarily a South Asian female identifying audience, I think. And I very deliberately built it because there aren't many things for us in mm -hmm. the world. You know, there are many spaces that are just for us, by us. And so it was a very conscious decision on my part to create the podcast for South Asian women. But I've had a load of other listeners as well, mostly women, white British women. And what's interesting is they all say to me that the, the themes you talk about are very relevant to us, mm. except it's a little bit maybe, maybe more extreme in your culture or the culture that you're talking about. So whether it's bodies, whether it's the kind of weirdness around sex, whether it's menopause, whether it's mental health, they're all universal themes that women are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And they come to me and say, oh, I really heard this episode and I loved what you said there. And, you know, I found that in my own life. So it has kind of broadened out 
Although I set out to talk to South Asian women, it, it just seems to have resonated with women outside of the culture as well, which is lovely. It really is lovely. Has it inspired any other podcasts for other communities then? I get a lot of requests for sort of mentorship, I guess, is, is broadly what it would be. I mentored this young lady who lives in Germany. She's from India. Mm. And she's doing a podcast about women from Kerala. So it's very specific. Wow. Yeah. She is from there and then she moved to Germany. So we talked about that and she said that my podcast inspired her to start hers, which was amazing. And then there's a couple of student, I guess they're a student network that supports students and they've started a podcast among themselves talking about issues with young people. And again, I've had a couple of calls, mentored them. You know, they had loads of questions about how do you do this and where do you distribute it and how do you market it and all of that. So I think I have, I think, and my work has inspired people in different spaces outside of my own kind of community and space. Mm. And that's really beautiful. Mm. Are there any podcasters that you're inspired by or ones that are taking kind of similar initiatives of breaking taboos like there's brown girls do it too yes, with uh, poppy j and rubina pabani and i think they're they're also doing a really great job in breaking taboos and so who inspires you brown girls do it is amazing i mean poppy and rubina are awesome i find that i listen to podcasts outside of my experience and that helps me think kind of outside of i don't know if that makes sense like a bigger canvas with which to kind of think about. So I love Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin? Each episode is a couples therapy session. So you're like literally sitting in, in her wow. office, listening to her counseling a couple who's about to break up. And it's fascinating because again, the stuff, the, the, the themes are very universal. Childhood, trauma, addiction, mental health, you know, all the kind of things that resonate with every one of us as human beings. So I love listening to that. What else do I listen to? There's so many. How to Fail. I love uh, How to Fail. You know, and again, listening to kind of celebrities or famous people talk about failures and how it informed their lives. It's it's so inspiring. And, you know, I love that. I'm listening to podcasts all the time. Mm. And there's loads of themes. I mean, uh, Gabor Mate, any, anything that he's on, uh, he's a huge trauma specialist. That's one of my areas of interest. I listen to him a lot. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, his podcast, he interviews really amazing, interesting people. So I think my, I guess, even hearing myself talk, all of it is about being human, I think, and about the stuff we all struggle with, mm. I think is my kind of area of interest. So those are the kind of things I end up listening to. And it sounds like quite a lot of interview-based podcasts yes. as well, which is obviously something that you that features very heavily in your podcast. And like I said earlier, you know, I, I was listening to your interviewing to as somebody who does a lot of interviews myself. I was really interested to hear how you you were getting the best out of your guests. So, how did you kind of hone your interview techniques? Were you listening to stuff beforehand? Did you have interviews that you really admired that you really liked their approach, or was it just kind of born out of your natural curiosity? I think it was born out of me, I think. Mm. I don't remember ever sitting down and thinking, oh, how do I interview someone well? I don't think I did that. I think what I did do is really listen. And I think that's the key. If somebody asks me, what is the one secret of a good interview? It's like, listen to the other person. I think a lot of people make the mistake of, uh, you know, especially if you're young and you're starting out, you're like so eager to get your questions in that you're not giving people the space to speak. 
And we've got to remember that as podcasters, a guest has come onto our show and we've got to give them the space and the time and the energy that they deserve so that they can, you know, feel heard fully, properly. And I think when you do that, when you really listen, the kind of magic happens and the other person feels heard and then they open up. Mm. So I'd say that's how, so I've not really thought about it too much, but I think it comes from who I am. That's how I am as a person. I think even if we met for a coffee, that's how I am. Mm. You know, I love people. I'm very curious and I'm very kind of, I guess, empathetic towards people. And I think that comes across in the work. And just thinking about all of the kind of litany of people that you've spoken to, such a wide range. Some are names that are household names. Some are people that I'm just so impressed that you've you've managed to kind of find them. I was listening to one recently that you did with a South Asian porn star. Out of these episodes, you know, which are the ones that you notice kind of really resonate with your audiences? Is there sort of any in particular that stand out for you out of all of those? So many. Oh my God. That's like being asked to choose a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> So many. I mean, the the porn star one, the one you just mentioned, she's amazing. I'm such a fan. Sahara Knight. And she's on Game of Thrones. So she's like famous for having done that. But I loved how professional she was. Like that's her job. And she talks about it like any other professional woman as like a podcaster or a radio host or whatever, you know. And I love the kind of professionalism and the authenticity that she has when she talks about being a porn star. Uh, and I love some of the funny instances she has as well, Ariane. I don't know if you remember, she talked about this imam and a carrot. Yes. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it always makes me giggle. <laughs> if anyone's not you know, listening to this podcast, go listen, because I'm not going to, you know, I can't tell you more than that. There's an imam <laughs> and there's a carrot involved. <laughs> I don't think I'm shocked that easily. And also coming back to kind of holding space for the other person. And that's what it's about. So I think what you feel almost kind of takes a backseat. And it's about them. So whatever they want to talk about is okay. You know, whatever they feel safe and comfortable and happy to talk about is is fine. I don't know if you've heard the episode with Anushka Shankar. You know, as, as you know, she's a really big name. And she talks on the podcast about being abused as a child you know like she was molested at home and it was quite a you know when she started talking about it my body went very like you know you you feel what she must have Mm. felt and I think that's okay on the podcast for for the audience to hear that you know I think that's that's actually beautiful for the audience to hear what you're feeling when you're listening to a particularly harrowing story there's another episode in season four where there's a lady who's talking about being sexually abused by her father I mean, for years and years, and it's harrowing. But I think our jobs as as podcasters is to give people space. Mm. And it's not about us, and it's not about our reactions. It's about them, really. There's a purity in that, I think. Do you find it very healing as well? Because I find that, that when I talk to other Arab people about stuff that affect us as Arab people, it does connect you to one another and you do kind of get over your own trauma as well and you get over your own issues. Do you find it healing talking to other South Asian women? Yes, it is, I think. And not just healing, it's such a connecting experience because when you talk to other people from your culture, there's so much that's common. 
And I think a lot of us go through life thinking that such and such thing only happened to me and I'm kind of bearing the trauma of it. And the stuff is so common. It is. And you think, oh, wow. And you also see the problem there. You think, oh, my God, there's this big problem that we as a culture are carrying where we're not allowing people to talk about stuff that we should be talking about openly. And then we're perpetuating it. You know, we're carrying it through the generations. So, yes, it is healing. And yes, it is, I guess, important in our own journeys as people, as human beings, as women. But it also shows you the scale of of what this is and what we should be doing to address it, I think. Are there any areas that you're sort of yet to cover that you're really keen to sink your teeth into or dream guests that you haven't been able to get on yet? Oh, so many dream guests. Every time I see another awesome South Asian woman, I think, oh my God, I'd love to have them on the podcast. Jamila Jamil, love to have them on my podcast. Amazing. Mindy Kaling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many. I mean, I have, I have like a whole dream list. I keep adding mm-hmm. to it every time I see someone. Oh my God, I'd love to interview this person. In terms of things that I haven't covered, like I was saying, I think earlier, it's the themes have evolved organically. Mm-hmm. I haven't sat down and said, right, this season I must cover this, this and this. I just find the people. I think that's what I do. And then the people tell me the themes, you know? And so... Even for the next season, there isn't anything where I've said, oh, I need to do this. I haven't done that. It will just evolve. I think when I speak to the person, I have a conversation and I know what I'm going to talk about, you know, and it just emerges in that very organic fashion. Do your listeners ever have a say or an idea or, you know, try and nudge you in one direction or they want to hear from you about a certain subject? I do poll sometimes to say, what would you, you know, what, yeah. one or two things that you'd... And funny enough, there was one poll I did that really surprised me. So the things that I thought were very kind of, yeah, is that really interesting? Divorce, stuff like that. Okay. So people want to talk about this. So I just thought, you know, it's 2023. I mean, so many people are getting divorced. What's the big deal? But that's been my learning, thinking about I needed to be like a little bit more out there than I need to be sometimes maybe. That's really where they want to talk about divorce and being a widow and, you know, things like that, where you think, surely we've moved on as a society, but actually they want to talk about that. Isn't that interesting? Because I guess a taboo in one culture isn't necessarily yes, in another. Yes, and- yes, yes, exactly. So that was interesting. And that was a learning for me. Mm. You've spoken about how much you enjoy podcasting as a medium, as a way to be able to tell these stories and have that safe space. But do you think the podcasting community as a whole has been as accepting and as open or have you found it difficult being part of the podcasting community? And do you think they could be more inclusive and more that they could be doing? I've actually found the podcasting community really welcoming. And this is also probably why I feel so happy to be in this space because I think it helps that it's a new space. Mm. You know, if you go into something more established, like say theater, when I was doing the theater shows, it's a lot more closed. You know, there's a network and you need to kind of know people and the ins and outs of it. Podcasting, not so much. When I started, so I launched uh, Masala Podcast November 2019. And that year, I won the competition 2018. So it took me a year. And in that year, I was speaking to a lot of people. What are you saying? What platforms are you using? What kit are you buying? You know, I'm just asking a lot of people. And, you know, most people are happy to speak to you. And that doesn't happen in other worlds. Like I come from a marketing advertising background. 
you know, you can't rock up and ask to speak to a creative director in an agency. They won't speak to you. It doesn't work like that. But with podcasting, people do speak to you. And I think that's really wonderful. And I hope as the industry grows and, and we know that it's growing and lots of big companies are getting involved and there's lots of tech coming in. I hope we retain that because I think that's what makes it amazing. And that's what makes it really interesting, say, for somebody who's young like yourself coming in, you know, or someone from a different background or ethnicity kind of coming into the space. So you, we must make sure that we keep this going. Just thinking about at the moment or recently I've been teaching a course at City University and a lot of the students have been asking about how they can get started in whatever, in film journalism in some way. But they were specifically talking about the language of asking for work or asking to interview somebody or that sort of thing mm. when you're sort of cold emailing people. So for you, talking about subjects that can be quite taboo in any other world, how do you approach asking people to do an interview for something is it I mean just thinking about like kind of practical advice for any listeners who are interested in starting their own podcast which maybe delves into this detail how much detail do you put into those initial opening emails conversations quite a lot actually and I think that's really important to do because if you're approaching someone you need to make sure that you've done your homework you know, it's not just a blanket email that your dear ex, you know, no one's going to respond to that. But if I email Rihanna and I know about Rihanna and I know kind of what Rihanna does, what she's interested in, the kind of things that Rihanna talks about, that makes a huge difference, mm. I think. So it's, it's kind of up to us as people who might want to interview someone to kind of really get to know them as much as you can on social media, on the internet look at their work, look at what they've done and then write to them because mm. they can tell if you put an effort or not. They can tell yeah. if you've just like dashed off the same email to 50 people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. doesn't work. For sure. Just going back to the guests that you have on and, and talking about the taboo subject, do your guests ever tell you in advance that they have certain boundaries about the stuff that they want to talk about or certain ways that they want to approach topics or because they are sensitive topics. So yes. do they give you those warnings? So what I do before, and this is my particular approach, I will send them questions in advance. So I will say, these are the areas that I'm going to talk to you about. And in that email, I'll always say, if there's anything here that you're not comfortable talking about, please let me know before and I will not ask you. And I think that again is like a, almost like a contract between anybody that interviews someone else, I think, that we are not there to make people uncomfortable. We're there to, to give them space so that they can be themselves and say the things that they're comfortable with. So I always, always, always say that in an email before. So if there's anything in the line of questioning that they're like, oh, I actually feel uncomfortable, they can tell me. But so far, no one has, which I think says a lot. <laughs> says a lot about safe spaces. Exactly. Sangeeta, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so interesting and eye-opening and it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real joy. That was the phenomenal Sangeeta Palai talking all about taboos. And it was so nice, actually. I don't know, Reem, how you felt about this, but just to kind of speak to another woman of color about something that I think we all feel quite passionately about. And it was really nice to hear what you were saying about being inspired 
hearing another accent. And it's something as simple as that, which so many people might take for granted, but actually can make huge waves for you. I loved doing this episode and I loved interviewing her. And I think um, I always enjoy the episodes where we speak to people that are making real changes and, mm. and representation for people from different backgrounds on the podcast. And one thing that I found that was very interesting, besides the fact that I really enjoyed her talking about accents and, and that I do find her very inspiring. One thing she mentioned was that podcasting is a growing medium. And I think we hear a lot from from many established podcasters that podcasting is no longer an emerging medium and it's already emerged. And I think what I see is that for people from non-white backgrounds, they still see podcasting as a growing medium because it's only recently that we've had opportunities to kind of stand out and have a platform versus white male comedians that have had podcasts since it first started mm. becoming a medium and, and the platform was always there for them. So for now, it seems like an old thing or or already established thing when for us, it's more of like, no, this is new, but we're taking mm. advantage of it. What do you think? And that's so astute. I mean, that's such an important thing to say, because yes, I still think about it as being such a young emerging medium. And we've had people before comment on how techniques are kind of being taken away and used in other countries where it's still incredibly young. And there's not nearly as many podcasts kind of saturating every genre. Mm. Is it kind of the same thing with what I was thinking about feminism, when people in the UK sort of go, well, we've got equality and Mm. we haven't. But even if that were true, it's not worldwide. And I sort of think that we need to keep calling ourselves feminists for as long as worldwide there is inequality. And it's the same with podcasting. It's, it's not just your own singular experience. It's, you've got to be thinking about everybody else. Adam? Yeah, I think that's so, so important because it's very easy for you know all of us within the world of podcasting to forget that podcasting is a bubble in mm. a lot of ways, you know, because all of us, I think it's fair to say all of us that are involved with podcasting, eat, sleep and breathe podcasting to a huge extent. And outside of that, sure, it's becoming more mainstream. Most people certainly in the UK are familiar with podcasting, but it's not anything like as common outside the UK and the US. And even within places where it is fairly commonplace, it's not as big a a part of people's lives as it is for us that are on the inside. Mm. And going back to Sangeeta's interview, you know, you are not one of her target audience. So Mm. coming at it from a really outsider perspective, what did you find interesting? You know, what did you pick up on that perhaps you wouldn't have known anything about not being a member of her audience? One of the things I found really interesting was the thing she was saying about the audience coming to her and, you know, particularly reaching out to her with their stories and their experiences. The topics that she covers are so personal and in a lot of cases quite sensitive. And it was not necessarily surprising, but really, again, inspiring to hear the amount of people that have listened and then reached out to her with their own stories. And it just really highlights for me how effective podcasting can be in reaching people and 
giving people that sense of community and support. And like you were saying, Reem, knowing that there are other people out there like me who are doing the same things that I'm doing, having the same experiences that I'm doing and that I can relate to and get that sense of support from. I'm really excited, Reem, for us to go on one of these live <laughs> podcast recordings. We are going to get yes. trashed at the bar afterwards and talk about... <laughs> We're going to be like Amy Schumer from like Mean Girls in the Audience with our phones in front of us, like filming and being like proud moms. I'm <laughs> saying We're like, we interviewed her. We knew her. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rihanna, you were very excited for this interview. I'm curious, what was your favourite part of it or the the part that you were most surprised by, I guess? I still have, because I don't approach the kind of conversations that uh, Sangeeta does on a day-to-day basis. I do with my friends, actually, but not ever in public. So I still have that, oh, God, what if my dad listens? sort of mm. thing in my head which is funny because my dad doesn't actually listen to that much stuff that I do my <laughs> mum listens to everything and my dad not so much but it surprised me how she's just like yeah I have no embarrassment you know I'm fine talking about these things I'm very open and I'm always like that's incredible I wish I had a bit more of that kind of bravery mm. because there's still that weird thing in the back of my head you know like listening to this conversation um that she was having with the porn star Mm. and the whole thing of like i think that's incredible but i think the most incredible thing is that she's talking about it openly in a space that her friends and family can listen to it and that's Mm. on me you know that's me kind of going i could not because what if my dad you know it's that yeah I mean, I don't think I could have that kind of conversation in a public (laughs) forum, to be honest. Yeah, I just, it's such a, I think the women that go on this podcast and I think Sagita herself are just very brave. Um, But it's also, as Reem was saying, incredibly inspiring because the more kind of brave women there are out there, the more normalised that is. And the whole point of it is that there's just less shame attached to it each time. Mm. What about you, Reem? What I find interesting about her podcast and just herself is the fact that those conversations, even though they're with South Asian women um, and talking about the South Asian community and I'm not that audience, I still find that I can connect to it because coming Mm. from from an Arab background, you do share a lot of similar cultural taboos as people in the South Asian community as well. So I do still connect to them, even though I'm not necessarily from the same community. And yeah, I I do agree with you. I do think she's extremely brave and the women that come on are very, very brave. But I also think it just shows how amazing podcasting is as a medium to kind of create that space and allow people to have those sort of conversations. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, a really special one, I think, for all of us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Sangeeta Palai for, you know, being really open and honest. And thank you so much to Reem and Adam for joining me this week. You can read Reem's article on podpod.com. You can find so much more content there and sign up to our daily email bulletins as well. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd really love it if you gave us a little five-star review. Five stars only, please. Thanks so much. The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. And I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.